you are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey guys, so what's up? Uh, my name is Tuan. I am a guest on today's podcast. And so the reason for having me here is because I'm more of a traditional type of pharmacist compared to these other four guys here. I'm a specialty pharmacist. I started off working in retail and I've been doing that for the past five years. And so I wanted to get connected with these guys because I wanted to see what else was available out there and what just network with, with some really cool and important people in the pharmacy world nowadays. So let's start off with that and guys introduce yourselves and then we, let's go from there. Go ahead, Beiju. Hey guys, so I'm Beiju. I'm a clinical pharmacist at a medical center in South Carolina, and I primarily work with our informatics team, uh, optimizing our EHR. I'm also have been in practice for about eight years now. So yeah, it's been a minute. Uh, hey, hey everyone. My name is Brian. Uh, I'm an informatics pharmacist. Been most recently working on implementing Epic across our institution, and I primarily worked with the antimicrobial stewardship and infection control programs. Hello, everyone. My name is David Vu. I'm a recent graduate from VCU School of Pharmacy, graduating in 2018. Right now, I'm working as a project manager and quality assurance engineer at Kitchek, which is a health IT company that specializes in uh, pharmacy technology automation. I primarily work on BlueSite for controlled substances, which is a drug diversion auditing tool to help uh, detect abnormal provider behavior within the hospitals. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Tony Dow, and I am a clinical informatics pharmacist. I worked at a government hospital for five years as a clinical informatics pharmacist, where we implemented a brand new uh, CPOE, you know, CDS, and BCMA system. And I currently work at a pediatric hospital for the last two years doing pretty much very similar duties. That was a lot of initials that I had no idea what meant. Just putting that out there. I don't know what any of those initials meant. Very cool. Okay, so more of a traditional pharmacist. I don't know anything what these guys do. So Beiju, you said you've been working for, in this position for about eight years. Is that right? Yeah, so I actually started out kind of on a traditional setting. I started out as an inpatient hospital pharmacist learning the operational workflows uh, and also the clinical processes that go like sort of underlies all of our systems at the, our hospital. And so I got to know our systems from the inside out for two years. And from there, I transitioned to more of, you know, improving our processes and uh, getting more aligned with how do we leverage technology to do that? And I joined the pharmacy informatics team at that point after two years where I really started to gain more knowledge of how these systems work and how they impact our users. And then looking into things like how do we design solutions, design, you know, optimize systems that are more usable for clinicians and for staff became more important. So, you know, in one way, I kind of had a traditional start, but I feel like I've always had a non-traditional mindset in the heart of it. So how did you transition to that 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 role? Yeah, so... Um, like, how did you fall into that opportunity? Basically, got into my role by providing solutions to the folks who were driving our technology and information systems. And I did that because I was becoming more of a liaison for projects and helping to assist and consult with different 
implementations. And so I usually got tagged to do different types of work for our area just simply because I was a subject matter expert in in our inpatient pharmacy. And at the same time, I was able to kind of translate the technology speak or lingo to helping design these solutions. So I think that's worthwhile knowing for others is kind of start to bring problems to the forefront, but not only bring problems, but also give solutions and give options where, you know, others can, you know, help you help support your area in and make it sort of more optimized for your group. So I think that was an important first lesson I learned was really just kind of bringing solutions to problems that exist in healthcare. So this this team that you're working on now are they it's part of the hospital and not part of the health record system is that is that what I'm getting The team I'm on right now is their primary role is basically to maintain the EHR so I'm actually under the IT department we were part of the pharmacy department at one point um, but we transitioned to the IT department with some restructuring that went on at our enterprise but we're very closely connected to our pharmacy department in terms of engaging our pharmacy management and some of our super users to optimize the electronic health record. But yeah, we have a different dynamic because since we are part of the IT department now, we are also, we're kind of connected to other teams, other non-clinical and clinical teams that we weren't privy to in the past. And so I think that's a huge advantage for us because we now have access to, for example, you know, access to data that we never had before simply because we have a closer relationship with our data analytics team. That's just kind of one instance of the structure now uh, that we're part of. Why is it important to have someone like a pharmacist on the IT team? Yeah, I think pharmacy has to be a table in all areas of healthcare, right? Uh, We kind of talked about this offline earlier, but I think even more so for IT I think the medications processes span the the whole spectrum of the enterprise, and so first of all, being not not being at the table kind of creates a lot of gaps in in the processes in the systems. Can you give an example yeah. of a gap? Yeah. So early on, when I think we went live with Epic, kind of close to 2012 in the ambulatory side of things. In inpatient, we went live with Epic later on, but in those early discussions, pharmacy wasn't at the table as much. And so some of the build that was done for medications, simple simple build that we kind of take for granted now, it was sometimes done by nurses. It was done by non-pharmacists. And when we took over those systems, we saw there were inherent you know, issues. There were, there were actually safety issues. There were sort of quality issues from that bill that we inherited. And we had to rework, redesign uh, to make it a little bit more safer and, and more effective for clinicians. So bringing that clinical context, that clinical pharmacy context to the design of even systems, I think was a valuable thing. And I think I, I wish we kind of had been brought in earlier to those discussions. So that's kind of maybe one one piece of it. Oh. Do you have any extra training beyond your pharmacy degree? Yes, I actually started out as a computer science and business major in my undergrad. So I went through that part of my phase in life. And I think it was around 2000, 2001, where uh, those jobs had kind of dropped off. Uh, The dot-com bubble had bust. And so I decided to pivot and change directions into healthcare. And so uh, I landed into pharmacy, which was seemed to be a really 
great opportunity to be more versatile. But I think that's another lesson I learned early on was, you know, your identity, you know, doesn't have to really be aligned with your background. You can always change careers. You can change industries, especially at that early age. Tony, can you tell me a little bit about what you do at your work and what what your job position is? Yeah, so my position currently is pharmacy IS or informatics specialist, and that's at my current current place of employment, which is a large pediatric hospital. And the, the position I have at my previous employment was a clinical informatics pharmacist. And even though the titles are a little bit different, most of the activities and functions are very similar. So like, so every day is different. So it's kind of really difficult to say like what I do every day, but it kind of is broken down into projects versus break fixes. And at my current employment, I am under the IT department and I function as the pharmacy resource. And all of the tasks that I'm part of, half of my time in projects is dedicated to oncology EHR. And I have to leverage the system in a way that will accommodate for the complicated workflows that oncology pharmacists uh, go through for, you know, verifying orders that are from oncology order sets that include day of treatments and regimens and things like that. Um, some of the other things I do on the project side of things is work with the pharmacy department, like the, the managers and the supervisors for optimizing parts of the system. Like if there's something that we can kind of automate to help with the workflow, then we try to do that. And then the other part of it is like break fixes where there's a bunch of different technologies that we have. We have like a robotic IV automation machine, which is a giant robot that, you know, makes IVs if there's any issues with that. And sometimes there's issues with CPOE, which is computerized provider order entry. It's like sometimes they try to order something in the system. It's not there. Then we have to figure out why it's not there or even if it's supposed to be there in the first place. And we also kind of, you know, triage whether what people are requesting is it makes clinical sense or not before we actually build it. And if it does make clinical sense, then is it something that our institution is going to approve? So then we also try to bring it to the right group of people to bring it to meetings to get it approved. Some minor things I also do, another informatics pharmacist at my workplace does this more, is the troubleshooting of barcode and medication administration. So, you know, drug shortages happen all the time, right? And NDCs change all the time. So maintaining inventory is a constant struggle. And we kind of share the duties on doing that between the different informatics or IT pharmacists. And doing that also ties into making sure that they can be scanned correctly when nurses are administering the medications at bedside. So um, yes, those are just some of the things that I do. And you know, other things too include like build rules in the system and building like additional order sets for certain disease states and things like that. Sounds like a lot. Man of many hats. So Tony, did you start off in that position or how did you get your start? When I was in pharmacy school, I was interested in the prospects of pharmacy informatics. And I had learned that there was a PGY2 pathway for it. For like many people in pharmacy school, like a residency is something that we've been kind of geared towards or like our, our educators have let us know that that's like a, a means of getting to where you want to get to in a very efficient manner. So of course, I applied for residency. And unlike most of my classmates, actually, I actually did not get matched. And so after that, I tried to figure out other ways where I can get into that role. And I kind of just thought back about all the different projects I've done as a student and kind of updated my CV for that and started applying to all these different positions. And I also 
spoke with a bunch of my preceptors at the time that, you know, they knew what my interests were. So they always were keeping a lookout for me too. So they kind of just let other people know. And then eventually a an opportunity came up at government hospital where they heard about me because my preceptors knew the director over there. So it kind of became like a word of mouth. And so they had called me in and they reviewed my CV and then gave me an interview. And two days later, they offered me the position. So that was how I got into my initial role. I see. So you use uh, your, your networking, your preceptors and their, their network to find the, that position. How long, after, how long after graduation did you find that position? Um, after graduation, so I graduated in May. I studied for my boards, took my exams July. So I got licensed in early August and I started at the end of August. Oh, okay. So that was fairly quick for you. You kind of you you started in that position. You didn't really migrate. Yeah. Okay. All right. Did you have any background like Beiju did beforehand? Not uh, not like a an official education in terms of like computer science, but mm-hmm. um, I just had a hobbyist background. Like I learned Objective C like just for fun, mm-hmm. um, just very basic knowledge, and I it was mm-hmm. something that you know, I was always interested in. So, so yeah, it wasn't like any formal training. Did you, did you have to get any extra formal training? Was there a big learning curve in your, your new job, that, that position? Because I mean, you know, in pharmacy, we don't, we don't learn anything about that. It's all, you know, clinical stuff. So did you have to, you know, you know, increase your, your learning background or your, your knowledge? Yeah, actually, initially, when I started that job, it was a learning curve. And the thing about most large vendors for like electronic health records is that a lot of their information and, you know, languages that they use are proprietary. So even if I had training like of a general sense beforehand, I would still have to relearn on the job. So for where I worked at that government hospital, I did have to spend a lot of my own extra hours, which, you know, I, I chose to uh, spend extra hours myself to learn the the system very well by leveraging their um they have like this kind of uh online forums for you know online networking forums for the for the vendor so i kind of just went through that looked at all the what other sites were doing and just seeing like how they built things and spent a lot of time on trying to improve my knowledge as fast as i can so that i can be as useful as i can to the institution that i was working for i see but but you didn't have to do any extra you know, certifications or your residencies or anything of that upon graduation? No, I, I didn't. No. Eventually okay. I did because I just wanted to learn more, but it uh-huh. wasn't something I did initially. Gotcha. gotcha. Okay, cool. All right. David, uh, tell me a little bit about your position now and, and what you do. Sure. So mainly I work or with our drug divergent software, BlueSight for Controlled Substances. And so I function as a project manager and quality assurance engineer for our product. And primarily what I try to do is we have large amounts of customers that are being implemented with our software. So I'm making sure that everything is on track in terms of the implementation of the product, in terms of a data quality perspective. And so we have differing timelines for for every one of our customers. So I'm just making sure that and managing is the quality of of their data the best that it could possibly be and ensure the best data integrity. So I work with our implementation specialists and I work with our QA team and the developers to make sure that all that is coordinated properly. And if there is any issues, then it would be up to me in terms of next steps that we have to go to to 
get these hospitals uh, implemented with our software. And so in terms of a day-to-day, there's a variety of things I do within our company. So I nearly touch every single team within our company. So I could be working with our implementation team, and I could be part of customer-facing calls. I could be working with our support team, either providing information in terms of the logic of our codes and why it may appear in a certain way in our applications. And as a QA engineer, I could be working on testing new features that our developers has created. And also, I'm able to code myself in terms of creating the hospitals itself for that software. So a lot of different functions that I do within the company, since it is a healthcare IT company that's a little bit small, I have a lot of ability to work with many facets uh, within the company. Why is a pharmacist needed for your, why, why is a pharmacy degree needed for your role? Sure. So in terms of your direct question, a pharmacy degree isn't needed for my role. It's certainly beneficial to have. In terms of the amount of pharmacists within our company, we only have a handful. And so me being the only pharmacist on the engineering team really allows me the capability to provide a lot of value to the team and to our product and to the company, just because the rest of my team are developers, are technically oriented. So if they have any pharmacy pharmacy workflow questions or clinical questions about the data or how something should work uh, for our end users, since our customers and end users are pharmacists and pharmacy technicians, having that understanding and background definitely helps in terms of the overall quality of our product. And so in terms of that answer, it's not necessary to have, but it's extremely valuable to have to provide that sort of context behind it. How much clinical insight would you say you offer? That's a good, that's certainly a good question. There is a question every single day for me. Since I'm working with pharmacy workflow, and then I work with medications in terms of as I build as we build the application. And so I'm faced with a lot of medication questions quite frequently. How, how did you, I know you graduated recently. You're probably the, you're the, you are the recent, most recent graduate. How did you come into that role? Sure. So I knew about KitCheck because we actually implemented KitCheck at the university uh, I was at. And so I was part of pharmacy informatics research elective. And it just so happens at that point of time, they were implementing KitCheck to our university. So I was able to be a part of that, understand what their product was, and really be able to go through the implementation process and be able to teach back to the end users, which would be the pharmacy technicians and the pharmacists in terms of how to utilize that product. So I already had a great understanding of what Kitchak was, and it was healthcare technology to improve efficiencies within the pharmacy. And so that's how I knew about KitCheck. When I graduated and I passed my boards, I was looking for positions and I was looking for staff pharmacist positions, clinical informatics positions, or anything in the health IT field. And it just so happened at at that point of time, there was an opening job posting for a data analyst on their implementation team for KitCheck. So that position in itself didn't really require a pharmacist to be in that role. The posting itself, it was a bachelor's with a couple years of data analyst experience, a plus if it, you had healthcare experience, 
So mainly they were looking for someone very analytical for that role. But for me, that was an opportunity where I'll be able to jump in, uh, provide value as a pharmacist and have that clinical background in order to, to improve the overall product at the end of the day. And so, you know, taking on that role was a little bit risky knowing that it wasn't a pharmacist position, but I knew what the company was and I really like their mission, which is to improve efficiency in healthcare. It frees up the clinician's time to do more important things such as treating the patients. And so that really motivated me to join KitCheck. And, you know, I was, I felt like I was starting at round zero. It was an opportunity to grow quickly within the company and provide a lot of value. And so after I became a data analyst, a couple months later, I moved on and became a QA engineer on the QA team. And then a couple months after that, I became a project manager for our team. There was definitely a lot of opportunities to grow within the company in advance. Did you have any background with, you know, informatics or anything like that beforehand, like how Beiju was a computer science major? Yeah, I didn't have any background, technically speaking. So when I graduated from my undergrad, I had a health science degree. In terms of computer science and all the um, other aspects, I did have some slight background, in, a little bit in engineering, and took a few computer classes and HTML, CSS. And so I knew those were the sort of aspects that I liked about it. I didn't really think of it as a career or anything until further down in my life. And so as I reflect back, those were the type of things that were really interesting to me because you'd be able to work with something, create something out of really nothing and be innovative and creative at the same time. But in terms of the technical background, I wasn't I wasn't a kid that did coding the rest of his, the, the beginning of his life until now. So really going to pharmacy school, I had a completely blank slate in terms of technical ability. But pharmacy informatics was something that really stood out to me. And so I went and found as many experiences as much as possible to make myself eventually a viable candidate to become a pharmacy informaticist. And with that, still not having that much coding knowledge, but being able to understand how to work with data, how to, to me, data is right now, at least it's gold. It's, we have so much capability to pull in as much data as much as possible, but what do we do with that? And then how do we augment that? So it makes some actionable results. So that's what my niche was throughout pharmacy school was, you know, I wanted to work with data in order to make great uh, clinical decisions out of it, serving as evidence. And so that became my niche and that became my brand. And so as I was looking for jobs, that ad data analyst position was a perfect position for me because it was a farm technology company. They were looking for someone with data analysis experience. And it just felt like it was the perfect storm of uh, potential right then and there. So, Brian, can you tell me a little bit about uh, what you do in your full-time job and not your extracurricular activities? Sure. So, I'm actually currently in a transition, so that is still being defined. So I'll go back to the role I was in the last uh, four years um, to keep it kind of simple. For those of us who are in informatics or are looking to get into informatics, the 
role that I played was basically to help with a go live implementation. And I, I never realized this, but it's kind of a nebulous term to a lot of folks who aren't in informatics. What we mean by go live means you're turning some software on for a group of users. And in this case, the goal live was conversion of all of the different software programs that our hospitals and clinics used into one software, which was Epic, a electronic health record. So that's a goal live and we implemented it. So sometimes you hear us call it goal lives or call it implementations. So what I did for four years was basically help convert all of the programs associated with antimicrobial stewardship and infection control from whatever legacy system that was used in the past to Epic. And, you know, we don't have to go into the specifics. I think Tony mentioned that it's very difficult to define what we do in informatics. And the reason why is because it, it changes so much. So I think the easiest way to put it is that was my job to convert whatever software system that you used in the past to this new system. And if that entailed, hey, we need to get a meeting on the books, we get a meeting on the books. What do we discuss? We discuss, hey, what did you actually do in your day-to-day job as a infectious disease pharmacist? Oh, we had to get a list of patients for this unit. Okay, how do we do that in Epic? And so I would you know, figure that out. We would have meetings, we would do all those kind of things to determine your scope and then create tasks to work through those things. So that's kind of what I did in a, in a nutshell. How long does a implementation like that take when you're transferring old legacy to the, the new system? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it ranges quite a bit. And some of the largest factors is, of course, your institution size. Also, it kind of depends if you're going from paper to electronic. In our case, it was going from a very, very, very mature system that was developed over 25 years into another electronic system. So ours started in 2015 and it ended at the end of 2019, so about four years. But there was a hospital system that was pretty small, I think less than 100 beds in the same city that I'm in, and they did it in a few months. So it it completely ranges on your institution, but I would probably say, let's say six months to four years. So you said that you were responsible just for the uh, the antimicrobial stewardship aspect of that. So is there a pharmacist for every disease state? Or is, is there one for cardio, to say? Yeah, we have quite a large staff of pharmacists. So we're quite specialized. Uh, so there's definitely like a cardiology pharmacist, a critical care pharmacist, infectious disease pharmacist. And I know like we can use the example of MD Anderson, where they're known for oncology. They have things that further delineate into bone marrow transplant pharmacists or, oh, now, now this is going to show my ignorance on <laughs> other disease states, but all the different types of oncology or cancer states out there, there's a different specialization for. So, yeah, we, we had that. So, so there's a there's a bone marrow specialist pharmacist informaticist. Oh, you mean just for informaticists? Yes. Oh, great question. No, we do not. So my role was to implement this, but oh, this goes. This is going to get confusing. <laughs> um, this is going to get confusing, and the reason why it's going to get confusing is because the way go lives implementations go is it's determined by the vendor. 
So with Epic, I implemented antimicrobial stewardship under Willow. Willow is the code name for pharmacy. I implemented infection control, and the code name for that in Epic is Bugsy. That's so cute. So yeah, it, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's um yeah. So it's it's kind of strange in that sense, but my title and my role isn't officially a infectious disease informatics pharmacist or antimicrobial stewardship pharmacist, and we we don't have any types of those roles, despite you know, kind of working in a defined specialty. We are all informatics pharmacists, and we support all aspects of informatics pharmacy. Gotcha. Can you go into a little bit about, can you just go into a little bit about how briefly you got into this position? Yeah. You know, most brief way to say it is that my whole training has led me down the route of being interested in infectious diseases. There are many pivotal moments that led me down to this road, but one that comes to mind right now is that I had a interest in public health. And I reached out to a pharmacist that worked at the CDC. And I was like, how do you get there? And she said, we don't need pharmacists at the CDC. We don't need pharmacists in public health. But what we do need is someone that can bridge the gap between the clinical practice and informatics. That's what we need. And at the time, she was working on the antimicrobial usage program that um, is quite large. And that's how I went into informatics or began considering informatics. And in terms of my specific role, I just got really, really, really lucky. The organization I was working for decided to implement, and they hired 500 people for this project. It was a big hiring time. They recruited at ASHP mid-year. And I mean, it's not too difficult to get one out of 500 positions. So it was right time, right place. How much clinical knowledge do you use on a day-to-day? You know, that's that's a great question. I would say my role is is pretty heavy clinical. And the reason why is because, so I work primarily in antimicrobial stewardship. So I build tools that our infectious disease physicians and pharmacists use to take care of patients. So an example is like a bug drug mismatch. If a patient is, they have BRE growing. A blood yeah, yeah. Come on, come on. Talk nerdy to me. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I wish I had some memes to help support here. (laughs) But yeah, a patient comes in, they have a positive VRE growing in their blood, and they are on vancomycin. We all know that vancomycin, or we should know that vancomycin doesn't cover VRE, but we know other antibiotics like linazolid or daptomycin do. So I would need to know that, and I would need to also know the build in the system that it equates to linazolid or daptomycin, and that which equates to vancomycin, and conjure up a rule that will trigger and display to the clinicians when that happens. So it's very important to understand the clinical aspect to do that kind of job because it's also communication with your end users. If you can't speak their language, you would have a very difficult time in translating it into um, a tool that they can use. I think that's the the key here that I've I've taken away from talking to all four of you is that the you need to be able to speak the language. So that's why having a pharmacist in the role of informatics is not only beneficial, but I think it's also a necessity in the sense that you're building these systems that are being used by a pharmacist, a nurse, a doctor, but then they're being um, created by technical people that don't have any knowledge of such database. So uh, 
I think that's why that this role is exploding, um, is growing, is because it's important to, like you said, speak the language that both the tech- technical aspect side of it and then the clinical aspect side of it. I think that's really cool. So to wrap this up, I think my question is that, you know, this here, we're, we're trying to give advice to new graduates that are coming out. And for the most part, a lot of these new graduates are going to be traditional, like myself. They're going to be people that are going into, you know, one of two things. They're going to go into the community setting or they're going to be going to inpatient. Maybe some people are going to be doing fellowships or stuff like that. And so the object of this is how can we help those that are coming out to reach a non-traditional path of being a pharmacist? So if you guys had to go back and talk to your recent grad self and give advice of what you know now to that youngin that just graduated, what would you say? Beju, what would you say to yourself eight years ago? Yeah, uh, that's a good, really good uh, question. And, you know, I, I think if I knew you now what I knew then, I think I would say that Anything is possible as long as you have a vision for what you want to do, how you want to contribute in this world. And, you know, some of the things that I didn't have back then are now just taken for granted for. Like, you know, uh, I think David mentioned a couple of things, you know, didn't come from the traditional computer science background. But I don't think that's needed anymore. I, I think that all the tools and resources are out there and they're freely available to self-learn some of the kind of knowledge I picked up, you know, simple things like knowing what a database structure looks like or uh, how to run SQL uh, queries, you know, all of that's out there. So I think actually I would love to be like my former self would love to be in this space right now because I can really 10x my former self in that regard. So yeah, that, that would be my sort of main point is the opportunity is wide open, even more so than in my former self. So does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Tony, what would you have to say to your former self? Well, I think I think for my former self, when I was graduating, I was looking very specifically into pharmacy roles and it was looking at informatics pharmacists. Yeah, like that's where I am today. But, you know, nowadays there's a lot of different roles a pharmacist can do. And I know a lot of different colleagues that are pharmacists who are in those type of roles. Like there's someone I recently spoke with where she, her title was basically an IT analyst, but she happened to have a pharmacy degree. So, you know, I I think... I would tell myself, don't limit my searches just to pharmacy, informatics, pharmacist, informatics. And, you know, Dave is an example, too, that you can get into a role that does not need you to be a pharmacist. But because of your background as a pharmacist, you can make the most out of it. So I think like for me, like that would be the main thing I would tell myself is don't limit myself and just know that there's many things that I can do with my degree that doesn't have to be in like doesn't have to be a pharmacist role. I like that. That was good. David, I know that you graduated just a year ago and you probably remember a year ago, but if you could go back and give advice to to him, what would you say? Sure. It's uh, really to have self-awareness of yourself and the goals that you want to achieve out of your career. So going back to kind of what Tony was mentioning is, you know, are we, should you be defined of just pharmacy? And so that was a big discussion that I had with myself as I was trying to choose jobs, was trying to justify going through four years of school, uh, I should be a pharmacist. And that was a common question that I always get is, why are you choosing a data analyst position 
what are you using with your pharmacy degree? And with that, I definitely would say at the end of the day, what I was, it was an innovator. And being a pharmacist was an additional title. But at the end of the day, I wanted to innovate and create. And so those are the type that drove me to select the decisions I made in order to become what I am now. And so my advice to everyone is just be self-aware of yourself and then think about the goals that you want to achieve, not be limited on by titles, by really anything. And so it allows you to have more visions of other opportunities and opportunities that you didn't know that you might ever have. So, you know, taking down the titles and just thinking about, you know, can I do this job myself at the baseline of it? So that would be my best advice for anyone. And lastly, Brian, what advice would you give to yourself? This is such a hard question. (laughs) And I think it's a hard question because I don't know if the advice that I would give myself is the same advice I would give myself tomorrow. And the reason why is because, you know, as much as, you know, all our viewers watch us and think, you know, we have things all thought out and planned. And in reality, we don't. And we always change in what direction we go. So, you know, I think the advice I would give, and it's certainly not related to our topic at all right now, but um, I have another one that I can say that is more related. The first advice I would say, though, is that eight years ago, how long has it been? Six years ago. (laughs) Six years ago when I graduated, the only thing on my mind was work. And I think if I were to go back and tell myself something, it would be to not work as hard because work will always be there, but relationships are the most important things to cherish. And I think that's so, so important no matter what you do. Find something, whatever it is, that makes you happy and, and stick to that. And I think for a second advice that maybe is more related to this topic is find a mentor because you can subscribe to YouTube channels, you can watch podcasts, you can read blogs, you can look at various subscription newsletters from various organizations to get an idea of what's out there. But I think mentors, you know, especially mentors who have many years of experience can give you a better idea of all the different things that you can try out there and they're they guide you along and you know perhaps look at things in you that you might not have seen yourself uh, and maybe guide you down a certain path so i think mentors is like my general answer to a lot of things that i wish i would have done myself is to gravitate towards someone that can help me with certain things so those that's kind of my uh, two advice is i would give myself so I think it's really interesting here. So what I've gathered is a, a common theme for is this, is that no, none of you guys really started off on the path, right, to be informatics pharmacist. You guys kind of fell into the position a little bit. And then you, aside from Brian, self-learned for a lot of this. You guys had a lot of training on the side and did extra work to get where you guys need to be, that you guys were motivated and dedicated enough to continue to go through that path. And another theme that I found is that you guys use your networking. Tony, you reached out to your preceptors and and sought their networking. David, you were involved with KitCheck already, already on school. Brian, you reached out to people and through their networking, you were able to find your position and find your calling. So, I think for advice that we have for the upcoming students, the incoming pharmacists, is you're going to have to continue learning. Learning won't stop. 
And two, you have to reach out to your network. You have to connect and meet people that are in different fields of pharmacy because the world is a much smaller place now. And, and I think it's important to make those connections. Well, thanks, guys, for joining us. Hope that was helpful and the advice was sound. See you guys next time. And remember, guys, technology is the tool and patient care is the goal.